Welcome to the Celtics Pride podcast on Celtics Blog. I'm Adam Motenko, back with you, with me as always, my twin brother, Josh Motenko. Welcome back, Adam. Back to the pod. Thanks. How's it feel? COVID stinks. It's good to be back. Uh, I, I wanted to say, uh, before we jump in here, uh, just because you guys got to talk about the end of the season and I haven't really been able to, I'm just so appreciative of this team, of the run that this team had this year. Like, what a what a job. Everybody, the coaching staff, the players, even the front office, with the trades that they made, what a job they did taking this team from looking um, underwhelming and frustrating in the beginning of the season to the finals and a chance at winning the title. So just tons of appreciation for this team, for the stars of the team. Appreciate us. Appreciate Celtics blog. Like, this is a good year, and I'm really happy we did it. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, uh, it sounds like a, a holiday card that you could write Celtics holiday cards. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, at the end of the year, you got to reflect. And uh, this was a cool year. Really cool year. Yeah, it really I'm was. excited for the future. On today's yeah, podcast, nice. though, we're going to talk about next steps in this offseason. We'll talk about a couple things that happened. We're going to try and stay away from rumors because we are recording this Tuesday night and uh, we know that things will change depending on the amount of tampering between now and Thursday. Um, and But we'll talk uh, generally about this offseason. We'll talk about TPE candidates, players that we think the Celtics should trade for or try to trade for, as well as potential free agents based on the salary slots that the Celtics have. Uh, and maybe we'll get into a couple of other things too. Josh, to start things off, I'm really curious. Um, there was a little bit of news lately. Will Hardy, uh, the top assistant coach of the Celtics who came from San Antonio, used to coach with uh, Ine Odoka and has been at the top of the list of um, young up-and-coming assistant coaches who should be considered for head coaching candidates for a number of years now. Utah and Danny H plucks him away from us. Uh, I'm curious about your thoughts on that, um, your reaction just to the news, but specifically the, like, what impact does that kind of a thing have on a coaching staff generally and specifically on this one, given that it's, it's only a year old. Yeah. My initial reaction is, is first like, uh, Danny, like, just like a Seinfeld used to say Newman's name, like he got us. Um, and my next reaction is like, well, that's what happens when you get to the finals. Like you're going to lose something from your system. Right. Uh, and a lot of coaches get offers after making it deep into the playoffs, even assistant coaches. And so there you go. I, I think that it's the kind of thing where the party line is, you know, obviously coach Hardy what did this, this and that. Um, but you know, we're not going to miss beat. We're going to keep going like same roster of players same coaching staff outside of that one individual and and we just keep on moving um but i think that it does impact things a little bit more than you know anyone talks about in these situations um obviously that's you know when you are a head coach for the first time like udoka was this past year and you're assembling your first time staff you know you're you're bringing your people with you people that you know you can trust or that you work really well with together coach hardy was one of the assistant coaches on the bench that would, you know, get up and, and whisper things in Udoka's ear or, uh, more often than others. From what I saw, he was someone that, um, you know, was just more involved and, and would kind of, like Udoka would seek his opinion during games. So, you know, he's, he was the top assistant. Um, I think in this league, 
you know, we're, I don't know who they're going to get to replace him, whether they're promoting from within or going to get someone else outside of the organization. But in this league, there's a lot of OG experienced coaches that can step into that particular seat if you didn't want to promote from within. And I think that that, you know, that might provide um, something extra that we didn't have this past year. You know, we had, we had Udoka's guys from Portland and his guys from San Antonio. Um, most of them, you know, have experience as an assistant coach and not as a head coach. I don't know how much head coaching experience we actually have across the bench if we have any at all besides Udoka, you know, so I think having an old head on the staff is, would be one of the things I would look at if I was Brad Stevens in the front office. Uh, Steven Stoudemire has head coaching experience in, at the college level. Um, I don't know if you count Joe Mazzula's like summer league head coaching experience as head coaching experience, but um, I think the Celtics, the way that Imo Odoka has talked about it, there sounds like their plan is to promote from within. I kind of wish that they would, look outside of the system also um there's always you know i mean golden state had two was it three guys this year with um good head coaching experience mike brown who got the sacramento job and brett atkinson who turned down the charlotte job this year um were on on steve kerr's staff this year um i know he had d'antoni in the past uh i think there's another guy that i'm forgetting who who also has head coaching experience, but um, that's the kind of thing that I don't know. I don't know enough about this to be honest. Like Josh, I'm I'm curious what what does like bringing what are the pros and cons of bringing in somebody like that? <laughs> I was just thinking if we really wanted to stick it to Danny Ainge, we try to get Quinn Snyder. Uh, but yeah, I think he'd like someone like that. I think would be perfect. Who's like just trying to do one year somewhere else, and then you know get another head coaching job again if the right openings aren't around for them they're liking like right now like Quinn Snyder is a really really good coach and um the, I think the pros and cons of of making that kind of a move is sometimes you're getting somebody who's not all about the like the future of this current team or this current um organization you know the buy-in isn't necessarily there like getting someone who could get another head coaching job means you're not going to have them for that long and um I mean, that is part of the business. All coaches, just like all players, are always looking for the next thing. And um, sometimes their their careers in certain cities are short-lived and then they move on. So consistency is important, but you know you can't necessarily plan too much for that um, because if you're too good, then, you, then your young assistant coach is going to get plucked, you know, so. Um, and how big of a deal is it when you have a coach move on like this? Like how disruptive is it to your system? How easy to replace them is it? How how um, good of a job can you do of promoting from within? I mean, I think that you can do a really good job promoting from within. Like that's the best way to keep the machine going in the exact same direction. Although it's a different year, different, you know, so, you know, maybe changes are inevitable. And maybe some of those unforeseen changes are just getting a new face on the coaching staff and what they bring that you don't necessarily expect. Uh, some of those could be good things. You know, some of them could be bad things. But I think it kind of depends on the situation, like how, how much of an impact does this have? It depends on who it, who it is you're leaving. Like this coach was only with us for one year. It's not like someone who was ingrained in, in this coaching staff for, you know, with Tatum and Brown for the last four or five years. So uh, it depends on the situation, I think. I think in this situation, I don't think it's going to have that big of an impact. Um, 
Udoka is going to learn so much from this year anyway and implement any changes just from his experience. Um, sometimes I feel like it hurts more or it makes more of an impact when there's a lot of coaches like around the league who know you and know what you do as a head coach. Um, and so you can't necessarily like <laughs> trick them in any ways because they just know you too well. So, but that just makes things more fun and interesting, uh, you know, trying to beat your family members who are now coaching somewhere else. All right. That's already been way too long on this, I say. Uh, let's move on to something else that also isn't going to matter that much. The draft of J.D. Davison. Josh, you, I know you did a lot of scouting um, uh, and and ha- have thoughts on Davison. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, just from the highlights and stuff, I'm kind of like, all right, he seems like an athletic guy. It seems like if he um, had put things together in a different way his freshman year, uh, he could have been a Jaden Ivey type of player. It seems like their athletic ability is similar. Um, what do you think about Davison? Yeah, I don't know if I'd compare him to Ivy. Ivy is so fast along with being like super athletic. J.D. Davison's not as fast. He's just explosive, I feel like. Uh, okay. Obviously, just from looking at the clips, you, you see he's got the great hair. Um, and <laughs> Let's start with that. Okay. Start, you have to start with that. you know, Because I think, honestly, I think his game also – it, it makes an impact on the court. You know, he his stats were very underwhelming, eight, four, and four. But I think four rebounds a game at six two is is a nice number. I think even think four assists at the college level per game, you know, is is a decent number for a point guard. There's a lot, of, you know. Uh, I think Jaden Ivey's only averaged like two point eight assists per game as a point guard, right, at the college level. So, um, he, I think Davison makes an impact. On the court, he makes his presence felt, not just because he's got this big hair flopping around, but he, it's, you know, he really he makes his presence felt out there, whether it's with his physicality, his relentlessness, attacking the rim, um, and, and just playing to his strengths. I think the reason he didn't have as good of a year as people expected him to, like he was he was a, high, a higher recruit than, you know, the second round pick, mid or late second round pick. Um, and I think the reason that he, he wasn't more impactful is he doesn't really have a game that plays well with others. Like he's still trying to figure out how to not just be the man, like on his high school team, like he didn't have a whole lot of other help and it was his show. He didn't have a whole lot of other uh, students at the school. It was like, it's a tiny school that he went. They had like a couple hundred people at his school. Yeah. So, so there you go. He turns the ball over a lot. In addition to getting the assist, love the rebounds. Um, his, he his, can't shoot. He can't shoot at all. That's Does, that's the main. Here's thing. the question, Josh: Does he have an impact in the first two years at all? I think in year two he could. I th- I don't think next year he's going to. Like, hopefully he'll get some run next year, and you know he's a second round pick, so you you have to limit your expectations with those guys. The late second. These guys are usually two way players. They're they're not making this league typically. Yeah, yeah. Um, unless you get a guy that has some upside, like this is an upside pick for a second round pick. This is, this is more athleticism and potential than you would get from most second round picks. So I think that there's whatever silver lining you want to have there. Today's podcast is all about like, like B or C level issues, right? Like all things we don't care about too much. Right. I was hoping you'd be too high on him and we could make a bet about it. Oh, well. Um, oh man, it, you didn't get me there. Is it worth talking about any of this summer league teams? Travion Williams, who I actually kind of like, but it's not going to make a difference. 
Uh, yeah, Adam D. What's the scouting report on, on Travion Williams? Oh, that guy's been trying to lose weight forever. He's really skilled. He's a big body, long arms. He rebounds well. Um, he can really pass the ball for a big man. He's got some nice post moves, and he passes the ball phenomenally out of the post. Uh, yeah, like, he's got he's got the bounce pass. Yeah, the around the back bounce pass. He's got the Larry Bird over the head. You There's know, a tiny bit pass. of uh, Nikola Jokic to his to his game. He's like big. He's slow. He can't he can't move that well. Um, but he can really pass the ball. His shot is um, reconstructed in the past year or two. Um, his free throw percentage is terrible. Uh, so that projects really poorly to him being able to shoot the ball in the NBA. And his his defense, specifically on pick and roll, is atrocious. Uh, it's like phenomenally bad for a guy that's played four years in college. Like I, I'm surprised at how out of position he looks on pick and roll. And it doesn't matter what the pick and roll coverage is. <laughs> like even in drop coverage, he still like gets caught in the wrong place uh and so i mean i i said on the slack like he's intriguing i like some things about him if he can lose weight because he's i think his athleticism would improve enough to allow for his like length and and big body to make a difference uh if he lost another 20 pounds uh it sounds like that might be a challenging thing for him um given that he's he i think he was like 310 when he came into college and now is 265 or something like that uh, but if he can get in shape He's like 11% body fat. If he can get in shape and actually increase his athleticism, which I think would be a natural outcome of that, and he can learn to defend, two major ifs. I think he, you you have a potential guy at the very end of your roster. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't even drafted. Like, well, the chances of that are slim to none. That's my scouting report. Uh, so, and Josh, you know, you know, I want to hear about Travion Williams, but you know, I think Jordan Bone was one of the guys you liked a couple of years ago in the draft too. He's he's on the summer league. Yeah, I won't I won't touch that one. I'm going no? with Williams. My scouting report on him is is he has one of the slowest first steps in all of basketball at the professional level. Doesn't need it. Um, and so that obviously makes an impact on the defensive end. Eleven percent body fat's not actually that bad. When you've got someone who's who really needs to let go of some weight, that they're and you know, at, as a basketball player, they're usually around sixteen percent. You know, those those guys who seem like way too big, but really they're not that big, but they would get quicker by dropping weight. That I mean, eleven percent, you, you can't lose too much more than that. Uh, really? <laughs> I mean, compared to me, maybe it's not that bad, but for an NBA player, it's not very good, and it, you can tell on him too. Like he's he's carrying some extra weight. He fills out his uniform. This whole conversation, I feel like, is is an umbrella of what type of end of the bench players do we want, right? And so, um, as we get further in this podcast, maybe we'll talk about some guys, some veterans that we're looking to bring in uh, to solidify the end of the bench. But it it seems apparent that uh, Brad Stevens chose end of the bench players, like really guys like twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, who were just happy to be there. Didn't yeah. need to play well. Didn't care if they got on the court or not, and that was the requirement, the prior, the prerequisite for for those spots. Agreed. So I'm wondering if if that's going to continue, and we're just looking for guys who are happy to be there, or do we want to try to get some some talent, develop some talent? You know, like if if JD Davison doesn't make the team this year and, and goes down and spends a lot of time in the G League, 
that says that that we're continuing with that trend. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to see Brad Stevens' decisions compared to Danny Ainge. Ainge went after talent, and I think <laughs> Stevens felt the brunt of that as the coach. And I think Stevens is trying to create a system that supports winning in a way where uh, you're. He's making it easy on the coach uh, to remove distractions, to to have implementation be more effective, especially in that first year. Um, and I think you're absolutely right. Uh, getting along and not causing disruptions was number one. And if you've got some talent and can contribute, uh, that's nice too. Uh, but I think this team needs more than that this year. And I think they'll get it. So let's talk about how they are going to do that. Uh, this year, there's two options post-draft for the Celtics um, to bring in players. One is through trade, and they have a, a couple of trade exceptions. Uh, so this is an ability for them to take in salary without necessarily sending salary back. And then they have free agency. Um, let's start with free agency. Just let me just sort of outline what the options are here. So they have the, the they're uh, ended last year under the cap, which is important because if you're over the salary cap for too many seasons, um, the, you, the ownership group has to start paying uh, extra tax on that instead of receiving it from other teams, uh, kind of like a revenue sharing thing in other sports, if you're under the cap. So they were under the cap this year. They are going to definitely be over the cap next year, but the clock doesn't start until next year on the number of seasons that they'd be repeating as an over the, ta- over the tax team and then having to pay a, tax, a luxury tax, which is important because this ownership group does not have super deep pockets. Uh, we've talked a lot about this. It sounds like they are going to spend what is needed for a uh, competitive team, like a championship level competitive team, which they've always said that they would do. They clearly have not done until uh, it sounds like Brad Stevens, Stevens coming out saying that they uh, would spend, that he had no restrictions in terms of spending. So the largest ability that they have to bring in a free agent as an over-the-cap team is this taxpayer mid-level exception, which is uh, $6.3 million and change. Uh, so they can get a player for that number. And then they will be, be able to get players um, if they use that. And I think the assumption that fans should have is they will use that. And that will mean that they'll pay, I don't know, 10, 20, maybe 30 million, depending on other moves into the tax this year, um, which is not nothing for this this ownership group. So they'll have that. And then they'll also have the veteran minimums, which is a small amount in NBA-wise, depending on number of years of service. Um, and... Then in terms of trades, they're able to take players in who the largest trade exception they have, which is the largest largest one in the league this year, is from sending Evan Fournier to the Knicks last year. They can take in a player who makes about $17 million, $17,142,000. Actually, it's just slightly under one hundred forty-three. So if you wanted to go to like basketballreference.com and look at the players uh, in the league who in the 2022-23 year make that amount of money or less. Those are the players that can fit into this trade exception. They have a couple of other trade exceptions too. One for um, uh, 6.9 million, one for 5.8 million. Those are really the ones that matter. They cannot be combined. So you have to take in a player or players who make less than that. And then you're basically trading away. You can trade away players up to that amount as well and then use parts of the trade exception uh, if you need to match salaries. Uh, yeah, we can trade draft assets for those players as well. Um, so before we get into potential players there, Josh, any thoughts, questions about usage of those 
either trade exceptions or taxpayer mid-level exception. Yeah, we want to use the Fournier one before it expires next month, right? We want to use it. It expires on uh, seven eighteen. Um, that's the soonest one. Um, that's the one only one that expires this summer. If we don't use it, then we lose it. So, so, so as fans, should we be mad if yeah. we don't use it? That's my question. I think it depends on what the asking price is and what player we're getting. So, I mean, if you're a fan, yeah, you want to see them use that se- that 17 million trade exception, and you want to also see them use the mid level exception, and then you want to see them fill roster spots with um, some some veterans that can actually potentially contribute. You know, like a guy like Otto Porter last year signed with Golden State and made a difference. Started two finals games, um, and he was making the vet minimum. He'll make more this coming year. So some interesting names when I look at that salary. Yeah, Josh, before we get into specific players, I have some thoughts on, just based on what Brad Stevens has said, on the type of player that we should be going after for either the MLE or the trade exceptions. Um, okay. And what Stevens said was, we need more offensive creation. We, we, we need more ball handling. We need more scoring. I, I, I also translate that. They, they're looking for shooting. I think Brad is always looking for shooting with size. But he said, we need that without losing our identity. And he talked about how tricky that can be, that you can make a move that brings in something that you feel like you need that also changes some of the benefits of your team. And I think the the competitive advantage that this team has is their defensive identity, their ability to defend and, and to switch. It's like everybody but Pritchard can switch basically one to five. And so that means that they need uh, point guards, guards, ball handlers, who have enough size, guys like Marcus Smart, guys like uh, Derek White, and who can guard up, guard players much bigger than them. And then they also need um, bigs who can switch, who are super mobile. And they have that in Horford and Rob Williams and Daniel Tice and Grant Williams. Like every every big on their team uh, can switch, except for Cornette. Uh, we'll see if he's on the team. Um, and so those are the kinds of players I think that they want to take back. And if these if those players also can can play make and shoot and play on offense really well, I think that's great. But to me, that rules out guys like the Jordan Clarksons of the world, like small guards. It rules out uh, players who are great on offense and can't defend. Um, and so I think that's important to we'll see if that plays out. But I, that's what I'm looking at, and I, that's what I expect to see. Uh, and I think that that could make some fans frustrated when they're looking at some of the guys on the market, going, "Oh, that guy's good." He's, he can really, you know, he's got, he's skilled. What do you think of that, about that, Josh? Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. I, you know, like looking at certain candidates, like I look at like a Luke Kennard as somebody who I'm like, I can't tell if he can't defend enough that he wouldn't even be on the list or not. You know, he's the best shooter of, of anyone who could fit into that uh, Fournier TPE at like 44%, 42%. So, but like I lean towards other guys who are more two-way players, shooting guards, small forwards, and power forwards. You know, because that's really what the guys that can defend both the centers and the point guards if they're switchy at all. Yeah, I thought Keith Smith had two really good articles. I think both from June twenty seventh. Um, one is top twi- twenty five Celtics TPE targets, and the other is top fifteen Celtics taxpayer MLE targets. To me, it's a little silly to get into specific people um, because. You know, unless we're tampering, we're not going to know until Thursday at 6 p.m., which is when free agency starts. That's when we should be hearing about who's going where. But obviously, we know that that doesn't actually matter. The moratorium between now and then doesn't matter. Uh, 
are there players on those lists that that you like more than others? Yeah, and I think you know, I guess I'll only touch on players who I think are likely available, right? Like, you want to talk about MLE first, or you want to talk uh, t- uh, TPE trading targets first? Um, let's do the TPE. You know, players on at least the players from Keith Smith's list that you know a lot of people have been talking about are Kyle Kuzma and Dylan Brooks, but I don't think either of those guys are really available. Um, Marking in. Laurie Markkinen is is on that list. Is he available from the the Cavs? I don't. I'm not really sure. But when I look at two guys on the Phoenix Suns, Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder, the Phoenix Suns are they're going to implode because they have a cheap owner. Like at any moment, I feel like with this DeAndre Ayton stuff is is not going to go well. And if they do re-sign him for a max or or close to it, they're not going to be able to to keep other players. And at some point, they'll be shedding players, good players. Uh, just to shed salary. And I feel like Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder, obviously Jay Crowder is not the player he used to be, but he would bring toughness and grit, which is something that I think this team needs. Um, you know, throughout throughout the finals, the finals felt different than the other two or three playoff series from a grit perspective. And that's when um, leadership from somebody like a Jay Crowder who was on this team and helped build this culture in the beginning, uh, I think that would help immensely. And then, like anyone who's on the New York Knicks, I feel like they would potentially be available. Alec Burks is a is on this list. He's plus forty percent from three the last three years. Um, so he's someone I've had my eye on for a while. What about you, Ed? Doesn't he fit into that category of small guards who don't guard that well? No, he's six six. He's he's not he's a six, small guard six? at all. Yeah, Alec Burks is six six. There's, you're, you might be thinking of Trey Burke. I am thinking of Trey, Trey Burke. Trey Burke was 6'2", yeah. Uh, as a defender, he's fine. Alec Burks is not as good offensively. Alec Burks, I think he's a, he's he's shot 40% from three last three years in a row. He's, you know, I think he's he's good. I think he's a really good bench player. He's he's a vet. He, I think he's got another couple of years before he really slows down. So I think now's the time to to pick him up if he's available. I mean, to me, it totally depends on what, the asking price is the guys at the top of the list, even, even the Suns players you mentioned, they're going to cost assets. They're going to cost draft picks. They might cost a young player like Aaron Neesmith or uh, potentially even. No, we're uh, talking about TPE. So it's, it's draft picks plus so TPE. Right? That means you can take the player in without having to send a player back. But I'm saying that the other team is going to ask for stuff like the, the, like, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, Cam Johnson, Kevin Herter. I love Kevin Herter. DeJounte Murray. Like these guys are going to, DeJounte Murray, the asking price is apparently four first round picks or three firsts and two swaps. Uh, Kevin Herter is getting DeJounte Murray. Yeah. Kevin Herter is at least a first round pick, probably two. These guys, you know, and it's not, if it's not number of picks, then it's good young players. So, and we don't have that many of them. And Aaron Neesmith does not fit into that category. Sorry, Aaron. Uh, of good young player. He's not that desirable from other teams. So if you want a guy on this list and to not have to pay anything to like just take him in to your TPE, you're talking about a guy like Duncan Robinson who makes almost 17 million. His shooting fell off. He's not a good defender. Uh, He couldn't really get into the rotation in the playoffs. Um, And it's questionable about whether we want him in our rotation in the playoffs unless he finds his shot again. So, He's way overpaid uh, for what for what he was last year, and so the question is: Yeah, we could Miami would probably offload him to us for nothing, like 
some teams would probably ask for assets in order to take him. Uh, he's that kind of a guy. So yeah, we could get him. Do you want him is the question. So it, it all depends on ass- on what they're asking for. And it's hard for me to say like, oh, I, you know, I like this guy. I don't like that guy. I mean, Dylan Brooks is awesome. <laughs> he's going to cost money. Like a Jay Crowder is the kind of guy that I'd be into. Like I think Jay can find his shot again to be, I, I don't know what he shot last year, but I think he can be league average again. Um, and I like the other things that he brings. Last time he was on this team, he was basically saying he wanted to start uh, uh, instead of Jalen Brown. So where he's at with coming off the bench, I'm not so sure. And some of the other guys like lower on the list, you know, Marcus Morris Sr., that'd be great too. Is LA, LA is willing to spend as much money and they're, they're going for it this year. Terrence Ross has been a target for some Celtics fans for years. Um, and he's not great defensively. Uh, you know, like the players on this list are not, they're not amazing. And once you get down to that level, I think you start getting into the kinds of guys that we could actually get off the free agent out of free agency for that mid-level exception. Um, I think that there's, there's going to be a game of musical chairs here and there's definitely more players looking to get paid than teams that have the cap space to pay. So you're, you're going to end up with mid-level exceptions from under the tax teams. And then you're going to end up with um, taxpayer MLEs. And you might have a situation like the Dennis Schroeder one from last summer where he was left without a team and the Celtics said, yeah, we'll take him. And it turned out to not be a wise decision by the Celtics. But he's the kind of a player who's like way more talented than that salary. Uh, unless you know better. I would not pay him more than that at this point. But that's the kind of thing I think that we'll, we'll, we will um, have the opportunity. And I think that means you also have to wait a few weeks into free agency. That's not an early July situation. Um, and so like, take the players lower on this list of TPE candidates and compare them to some of the, the uh, mid-level exception players on Keith's list. And I think you're talking about similar value. You know, like TJ Warren, he's a guy two years ago, he, he was awesome in the bubble. He hasn't played for basically two years. And so what level of defense can he provide at this point? Is he going to be slowed down by these injuries? Um, is his shot still there? I mean, you have to assume that he could be a spark plug scorer off the bench. He's a big, he's a wing, um, but how much defense he can provide TBD, whether he can stay on the floor TBD uh, and some of these other guys. I mean, Nick Batum, Josh, you scouted him. He was like one of the first guys you scouted for NBA draft.net years ago when he was like 15, right? Like he looks great. I like, he played great for LA. Are they going to keep him? He's a guy that I would take. And to me, he's just as good as some of the lower level guys on that other list. Gary Harris. Yeah, I would take him. There's a lot of name. A lot of these names I would not take like Gary Harris. I'm not, I'm not interested in, um, even TJ Warren. I'm not interested in Kyle Anderson. I used to be, but I don't know if he really moves the needle for us right now. Um, what about the Martin twins, Caleb and Co- Cody? What do you like? I really like them. That's who, that's what I was going to say is I would, I, I would take either of them. Why? Like, tell me, tell me what you like about them. Because, because they really defend, they can hit shots. They're not going to knock down like over 38%, you know, so they're not great shooters, but they're serviceable. So the, those corner threes, they'll knock down. They'll, they play really hard. They attack the basket. They take advantage of mismatches. Um, they rebound really well from the guard position, you know, at six five. 
So I, I just think that they both have really like made a career for themselves. They play with an attitude. So I think they, they would fit with our team. They are super athletic too. Uh, they're younger. They're on the younger side. Uh, so they've right. got room to grow. And I, I like that. Like that makes me think, yeah, the shooting could come along. I would take Isaiah Hartenstein. I think he's, he's a really good passer from that position. And even Bruce Brown, he's someone who's, you know, I, I think it would be a good story bringing him back to Boston where he's from. Any thoughts on um, vet minimum guys, Josh? I, I think because the Celtics reached the finals this year, you're going to get players who don't need to be in LA or Miami, who want to chase a, a ring, um, who could fit into a rotation at different points in the season to take the veteran, veteran minimum. And I think that that is the kind of guy that the Celtics are looking for also. Um, is there any, I mean, it's, it's tough to to figure out what that list looks like because some of the guys that you think might fit into a TPE or a portion of a TPE are going to fall to that vet minimum situation and you just don't know who's going to be there when the music stops without a chair. Uh, but is there anybody that like you think of in that category? Yeah, I mean, before we started recording the pod, we were both talking about Javante Green. I don't know if he's looking to do, to take them bet. He's not in that category. He's, like, he's too young. No? He has not been in the league long enough. No, we're talking like guys that used to be good. Yeah. Okay. They're now like 34 years old. Their skills have diminished, but they haven't won a championship. They're chasing a ring and they're willing to go to a contender to play a role game. Yeah, you're like Rudy Gay. You're yeah. talking about Rudy Gay and players like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean... Uh, honestly, like it would have to be a guy who brings like grit, toughness, and leadership. A guy like PJ Tucker, a guy like Jake yeah. Crowder. You know, it would have to be one of those guys. I don't want, just but not a- as good. <laughs> not as good, so they don't command the the mid level exception. Like rumors are, there we go. Uh, you know, PJ Tucker turned down what seven or eight million this guaranteed this year because uh, he wants to get two or or a three year deal. He wants to get one or two more years on top of that at that salary or higher. And I think he'll end up getting that. If the Celtics want him, they'll be lucky to get him for like a two year at the the mid-level exception. So, but it's like that kind of a guy a year or two removed from now. Yeah, I'll have to get back to you on the list. Yeah, exactly. And I think we have to see what the list looks like. But I think the Celtics are in a position for that. This is the kind of thing that they were able to get like Eddie House in 2008. They were able to get those guys at that time. And this is also something where I think recruiting plays a role. Last question I have for you, Josh. Um, should the Celtics be better at tampering? Yes. I think the answer to that question is like, yes. Like John Wall on Tuesday gets bought out and immediately is signing with the Clippers. And it's like, wait, what? How? How is that even possible? Unless you're tampering. So whose job is that? <laughs> is that Brad Stevens' job? Is that no, the no, player's no, that's job? that's Jason Tatum's job. Yeah, right. that's the player's job. The, the front office is not allowed to tamper, Adam, but the players are. Got That's it. That's how it works. Yeah. And agents are, of course, too. Got it. All right. Anything else from you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I uh, hope everybody enjoys their July 4th weekend coming up here. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have listened this far, you're definitely a part of Celtics Pride. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Celtics Pride Pod or individually at Mike Minkoff NBA and at Coach Motenko for Josh. I, Adam, am not on Twitter. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Celtics Pride on Celtics Blog.